Moving Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn. I'm your co-host, Mitchell Kakalka. About 20 years ago, a film came out called American History X. Where I look now. What? This affirmative black chip. The white man marches on! See this? That means not welcome. It was a film I really needed to see growing up. I saw it when I was probably about 11 or 12. And it was a really important film to me to a really important film for me to watch because at the time, you know, I was kind I was, you know, a pretty ignorant 12-year-old and I was discovering myself kind of going down a road that wouldn't have ended up the best for me. I was really easily influenced by, you know, some things that my parents would say. Um, books that my dad would recommend to me, the news that he would have on at his house, which would be, you know, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, boy. So getting fed that daily as a 12-year-old, as a social sponge, I I thought a lot of things that, looking back, I'm, like, really ashamed I ever thought. Um, and watching a film like American History X at the age of 12, it definitely made me rethink what I had been thinking for a long time. And about two months ago, I'd say, maybe even a month, month ago, I have, I have the movie in my collection and I decided to just watch it just on a whim and see if it still held up as much as I, cause I used to hold the film in a very high regard. Um, and upon reviewing it, there's a lot of things that I kind of frown upon about it now. There's a lot of things that I feel like it does incorrectly, or maybe it mishandles. But I definitely think it's a film that, especially nowadays, you should at least return to, to maybe contextually understand or appreciate it better. Mm -hmm. Or to maybe take that viewing experience and apply it to where you're at in 2018 or you know whenever you decide to see the film. I mean, to, uh, right around this time of year marks about the one-year anniversary of uh, Charleston, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is, is a pretty ugly, ugly thing to, to remember and to think about. And we don't really have a lot of media that I feel accurately or effectively counteracts influences of white nationalism, you know, and anything of that sort. I mean, American History X, it's not a perfect film, but I feel like it's a film that you should gain another, a new understanding of. So we're going to talk about kind of returning to that film and how we think it holds up dealing with its themes of race and racial unity and conflict in 2018. Does it hold up over over time? Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I, I think it kind of does but um yeah you have to you have to remember it at 12 you're taking in a film like this very nostalgically and very sincerely so we're, we're attempting to remove our rose tinted glasses and really objectively look at this now um american history x for anyone who hasn't seen the film we're going to be spoiling quite a lot so if you don't want to see the film you know maybe don't listen to this episode but uh it's essentially a film in the simplest sense about a neo-nazi who 
gets involved in a kind of gang turf war with a black gang. Um, he ends up killing one of the gang members uh, kind of excessively, and, and uh, it definitely would constitute as a hate crime, and he's imprisoned. In prison, he kind of comes to some realizations that he doesn't believe what, what he's been led to believe, and he kind of tries, tries to make a change for his life. Upon leaving prison, he realizes that his younger brother, Danny, um, is following in his footsteps. I trust you, Derek. hate has anything you've done made your life better and starting to make those same mistakes i mean the the main character derek the one who's imprisoned he literally has a swastika tattooed on his chest um this this guy's a very devoted guy and he's trying throughout the course of the film to make sure that his brother doesn't fall into that same trap that he fell into um and he goes on just this wild kind of ride to save his brother from falling into you know those those racist traps um the film was directed by tony k who made another film which i actually have a lot of really conflicted feelings about lake of fire lake of fire is probably one of the most provocative documentaries i've ever seen and it totes such a impartial line about a very partial topic uh, the topic being abortion. And it's one of those films where it really depends on who's viewing it to determine what the film's trying to convey to you. And I feel like sometimes Tony K kind of falls into that same trap with American History X, in that, especially nowadays, some of the arguments presented in the film against you know the white nationalism in the film sometimes aren't as strong as they could be. And I feel like Sometimes there's there's sequences or events in the film that add fuel, or they could you could very easily read them as being uh, invigorating to someone watching it with white nationalist views. <laughs> I don't know if this is necessarily, you know, Tony Kay's doing himself, or if it was you know uh, interference from the studio during its production, which you know we'll we'll get into that a little bit, mm -hmm. or if it was just mishandling very sensitive uh themes and topics it, 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 it i i i'm more inclined to believe that it's mishandling i would never want to accuse anyone of pushing something you know very nefarious unless i i have proof of it but um yeah that this this film is just really it's it, it's made me think so much more about it lately ever since i, I watched it again i think um some of what you're talking about might just be attributed to the type of story um, Tony Kay was trying to tell, which is of the, of this man um, played by Edward Norton, like falling into this hateful philosophy, maybe to the detriment of what of any type of like anti-white nationalist message that's trying to promote. It's more about like his his story and like how how people like him can be. Um, kind of like suckered into this type of thinking and so that's kind of where i think some of the like you were talking about the moments that could be misconstrued misconstrued as um 
in maybe not like in support but like sympathetic they're, they're they're just very confusingly executed i guess yeah that that would be the best way i think you know to, to just be really direct one of the big scenes that i always had this problem with is the famous basketball scene mm-hmm. basketball scene um is this flashback scene in the film where derek in his neo-nazi prime he he ends up having to challenge a black gang to a basketball game to determine who gets the courts for that day so they're playing the game and the music during the scene is very kind of what you'd expect and kind of like a high suspense moment of a film, you know, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's very, you know, it's pushing forward. You're getting anxious. You want to see who, who wins. Now, when the game ends, Derek and the neo-Nazis, the, you know, the gang that he's a part of the skinhead gang, they end up winning the basketball game by, you know, just like one, one point, just mm-hmm. barely winning upon that winning shot in the game there's you know the slam dunk that derek does and the music is so triumphant and heroic and when i every time i watch that film when i get to that scene i am so curious about the music choice because when you watch that scene and the the music is so triumphant you see the neo-nazis turn to the the, to, to the blacks and say get your black asses off my court while this triumphant music is playing and that has always struck me as such a very confusing choice to make in a film. Now, I could argue maybe Tony Kay was trying to make a message about how often in American cinema and cinema in general, um, you, you as an audience are predetermined to empathize and sympathize with the typically white male protagonist. And maybe he was trying to use this example of, you know, your white protagonist being a, you know, neo-Nazi banishing black people from a court, um, kind of challenging that whole, that whole structure and that whole system of continuously pushing the white male protagonist onto you and having this be this kind of symbolic idea of, of heroism being the white man. Mm-hmm. I could very easily see Tony K trying to make a satirical point that way by making you watch that scene with that music and really analyzing like, wait, is this a hero? Is he really a protagonist or should I be viewing this as an anti-hero or is he just the villain that the film focuses on? And, you know, maybe Tony K was going that route, but again, I feel like sometimes having to ask myself that question gets in the way of what I, I feel like the film could be making a clear point on. Yeah, because there aren't really any other scenes like that in the rest of the film. There's no kind of, um, no scenes that like could border on like satirical. Um, no, I, I'd say that the film has a sense of humor about it at times. Mm. Um, you know, the scene where uh, their exterminator friend is driving in the car and he's singing the white man marches on the white man marches on and you know he's this fat loser and his car is filthy and he's you know just like he fills up this entire giant van it's it's comical and just how ridiculous he looks mm-hmm. um but it's also kind of disturbing at the same time because you're watching this man drive down the street and he's pumping his fists out of the air that the white man will march on and then once you think about it beyond just the execution of the film 
you're like, oh, this is actually a pretty messed up thing. And I, I think another instance where I feel like the film maybe isn't as clear or maybe it mishandles information specifically is another kind of famous scene in the film where Derek is abused in prison. Um, now, he, I, I don't want to get too deep into, you know, what happens in the scene. I think, you know, anyone listening could probably assume what happens. But directly after his abuse in the prison shower, we cut to him being uh, kind of comforted by uh, his old history teacher from high school who plays a prominent role throughout the film. Um, and he, he he's an African-American. Now, they kind of have this these discussions over time the film never really goes deep into what they say to each other they kind of just have like a very brief conversation where the history teacher asks him you know is this really what you wanted your life to be and i think that's not the right message to send because it kind of places the burden of derek changing his behavior on things happening to him of something negative happening to him and him realizing, man, I just really need a change so bad things don't happen to me, rather than making that change because you feel like you actually need to make that change. I feel like that placing of scenes, it, it reminds me a lot of a film like Crash. You know, Crash, and you know, that I believe it was 2005. Mm -hmm. It tried to handle racial themes in a very kind of TV melodrama way. And sometimes American History X falls into that. Um, and I think it's that that scene specifically where, and you could probably argue the dinner scene too, to an extent, but that that scene of of Derek finally understanding that what he's done is wrong only after suffering a, you know, a very intense attack, that's that's a little bit confusing of a character motivation for me. Yeah, I can see, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, definitely. Because I, I think it would have been much more. Because there's a character in the, in the film that he meets in prison, who's black, and they actually form a pretty good friendship. I think it. I almost feel like the abuse scene is completely unnecessary in the film. I feel like it would have been just as, just as powerful to have him beaten to a pulp in prison, or, you know, or maybe he's you know he gets exiled by his white gang members in prison because he befriends some some of the blacks mm -hmm. but that i feel would have been a strong enough conviction maybe you could have had some scene where he completely butts heads with the white gang and he kind of you know has this this self-realization of oh they don't care about me because i'm white they care about me because i'm part of this paranoid conspiracy that i think would have been a stronger character motivation than oh i got assaulted and now I feel like I'm at rock bottom, and now I need to make a change. That, that to me, feels like something straight out of Dr. Phil. It feels so separated from reality. And I don't think it handles the issue of racism effectively. Or maybe I'm just, I don't know, it, that, 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 that's how I kind of struggle with that scene. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Really, like, the entire point of that scene is just, like you said, to be kind of like the cat, the catalyst for his change. The straw that so, broke the camel's back. Yeah. yeah. And it is kind of, like you said, in a lot of movies, um, it might just be um, a problem with how stories are told. You have to have, like, a strong, like, climax moment for, like, the story to, like, change pace. Yeah, and I, I feel like that climax just could have been handled with 
some other kind of different More subtlety maybe not subtlety necessarily i think it's just the 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 series of events i mean there's another point in the film where we're kind of more introduced to derek's character and it shows this old um news footage of him being interviewed because it's implied that you know his father kind of held some racist views that he would kind of shed on to his his sons not his daughter so much he has a daughter too but she's she kind of is the one voice kind of against all of this in the family she's kind of the black sheep of the family but um there's a scene where Derek is getting interviewed by this news team because his father died in a uh, fire because he's a firefighter and he's trying to put out a fire. And Derek, very visibly upset, you know, breaks down. And he says, oh, he shouldn't have even cared about that neighborhood because there's nothing but black people there. And again, it shows that Derek seems to be he seems to make very impulsive racial decisions and he seems to expound these racial decisions when he's encountered with very serious trauma. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that's always the greatest message to send because not all racists come from trauma. Not all racists come from, you know, they had bad parents or they, you know, they, they, they had a really rough up upbringing. Some of them, uh, are trust fund kids who will never have a struggle in their life. And I feel like sometimes you need to make that point a little bit more clear than, hey, you know, everyone comes from struggle and they come from this thing. We should understand why they feel this way. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that conversation, but the film only addresses racism in that context. It seems to imply that people are only racist from trauma. And I think that's a ignorant message to send yeah i think it might just be a problem with that particular like character study that tony k was trying to tell because the ending of the film itself is another kind of like infamous scene but it's actually quite different from what tony k i believe like originally had in mind which is um the movie ends with danny the younger brother character being shot and killed by um a black student at the at school who he had been harassing and the last scene of the last shot of the movie is the last shot of the movie. It's up like a beach while Danny's like reading poetry. But the last like scene is Edward Norton's character um, hol holding his brother like mourning and playing all over that is Danny reading um, the essay that he had written at school about how like how pointless hate is. Yeah. And the original um, ending for the movie would have had like one more scene after that where Derek in some way or another like shapes his head or does something and kind of it, it, the implication is that he's gonna be going back into his more um his white supremacist like mindset right and again that that would kind of make more sense with the logic of the film because it would show that Derek again responds to trauma with racial hatred or some kind of radical change about himself and how he deals with race. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that ending would have been a little bit better than the ending that we got in the film. Because it kind of, like, it kind of like solidifies it as a character study of this type of this type of person, right. which isn't exactly something that you can really um, apply to like every case of racism, which is something that oh, I think a lot of like people watching the movie might end up doing is kind of seeing is like oh this is this is like a good a good representation of how racial unrest kind of 
is born in in people like this. Yeah, and I feel like that ending, it seems really confusing again because it it puts all of this burden on your. It, it seems really melodramatic. You know how I mentioned, you know, there's moments of melodrama earlier. That ending, I think, is very melodramatic because it feels like this TV soap opera ending. And it seems just the the the, the takeaway for the audience seems to be that hate leads to death. And that's not always true. And I feel like that's a little bit of a ignorant statement to make. Again, this film was made in 1998, so maybe at the time it seemed to be telling a more provocative message than it actually was. But I think that nowadays, sure, maybe you could argue that hatred leads to a death of your humanity. It leads to a death of your conscience or maybe you know a death of your empathy. But the idea that, oh, hate is bad because see what it does, it literally kills people. It'll, it will kill this person who is hateful. That shouldn't be the psychological impulse and the response to, to hatred. Again, I know I keep returning to this, but the burden of, of you know, proof in the film, it doesn't really justify it. Because throughout the film, I'm led to believe that this character is was consumed with this ideology that he was plunged into because he thought that you know, the death of his father was fueled by this kind of anti-white conspiracy theory. And he never really tangibly addresses it. He just, you know, he gets assaulted in prison, then he feels differently. He tries to get his brother, he goes to like this big skinhead party that his brother's at, tries to get him out of the gang. He and the gang leader kind of butt heads, and then they run out of the of the um the party. And that issue of addressing white nationalism or addressing your own hatred never really comes up. It's a film about addressing hatred, but they never really do it. They never really address why it's wrong. He and Derek and Danny never have the conversation of why do you feel this way? You shouldn't feel this way because of this. It's just like, Danny, look, this is bad. And that, and, that, and that's really all of the conflict that is thrust upon you. And you as an audience are supposed to believe it's bad because of these very melodramatic uh, things that are thrown into the plot to kind of manipulate your emotionality as an audience, rather than having the, the, the characters kind of go through a more personal reflection, mm -hmm. rather than just kind of having this fight or flight response to it. Okay, yeah. But it doesn't mean that I think the film is horrible. I think there's a lot of things that are great about the film still to this day. I think the cinematography, apart from one scene, is pretty great i think the acting is really strong i think we both agree there and i i do applaud the film because i think that of kind of mainstream films dealing with nazism white supremacy this probably deals with it the best it's been done yet yeah um i mean imperium with daniel radcliffe <laughs> that like it, did anyone even see that film it did that ugh, no and i mean like you know uh she she will of the ss that that isn't really that that's not really the same film but uh it's definitely something especially um nowadays that can that definitely should can and should be addressed more in film because I, I i feel like you know we're we're talking about a pretty heated topic here we need to be able to respond to things like white supremacy and Nazism with something other than the liberal response of it's wrong because it's wrong. We need to be able to 
analyze, dissect, and really break apart why these people feel this way and how we can reach them. And if you entered in, into it with an overly empathetic view of, well, if you're racist, you come from trauma, or if you're racist, it's, be it's because your father died, or there's some justification for it. Because again, in the film, I feel like Derek and Danny's racism could almost be justified if you went into the film. Like if, if I was a white nationalist and I watched the film, I could very easily make the argument that the film supports my argument. I mean, the ending scene with Danny getting killed by the, the black kid that was giving him trouble and they were both kind of antagonizing people in the film. I could very easily see a James Alsip type saying, well, see, Danny never shot him. So is Danny really the bad? Like uh -huh. that ending really sacrifices a lot of integrity in the film. And Tony K made a much better film with Lake of Fire, I feel, because this type of approach to subject works better in a documentary than it does narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the biggest problem with it is um, Tony K's impartiality and his style doesn't fully translate to a narrative cinematic experience where he has to confine to that three act structure to try to give the audience some type of theme or resolution, especially with a theme as, you know, intense as, as racial hatred, racial violence. I almost wish I hadn't rewatched the film because I had like this, this like nostalgic place in my head, but now rewatching it, sometimes you have to ruin things for yourself to uh -huh. grow up. Do whatever's in your power. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna get me shot by a bunch of white boys. I am out, and Danny is out too. And if you come near my family again, I will feed you your heart. What's happening, Dad? I don't think you realize what's been going on here. We are 10 times what we were. They're after you, man. They're gonna come for me, they're gonna come for me. There ain't nothing I can do. Just to kind of, you know, wrap up, I really don't think that American History X is a awful film. I don't think Tony Kay is some awful racist. I don't think that if you like the film, you're some awful racist or something. I just, for me personally, I like going back to films that I love and seeing if I can still justify it. And this was a film that made a really big impact on me growing up. And I, I think it made a positive impact for the better. But sometimes those things that shape you for the better you need to challenge still you know you always need to kind of challenge how you believe and try to make sure that you know there's always room for improvement you know the um that that kind of stagnation is only going to lead to to people like derek or danny being more empowered to take narratives to to these dark places where now you know unfortunately we hear we hear sentiments that are in this film on Fox News nowadays. I mean, you 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 hear sentiments from people like Derek and and you know his skinhead gang on on CNN and 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 you you see it all over. I'm not saying it wasn't ever there to begin with, but there needs to be a more serious way to address it and understand it and respond to it. And sometimes that's going to need us to look at ourselves and challenge ourselves. And if that's as little as, you know, re-watching a movie, maybe that's all you can do. So this has been Moving Pictures. I've been your host, Brent Gunn. I've been your co-host, Mitchell Kalka. And thank you for listening.